0: Lord, we need you. And Father, that isn't some phrase we throw around lightly. That is the absolute truth. We are totally dependent on you. Now God, any good thing that would occur in this morning and in our lives is from you, you give it. It is through you by the power of your Holy Spirit and it is to you for your glory. And we ask that you would do a work among us that only you can do. And Lord, you would stir our hearts to love and live and proclaim the gospel of Jesus. And Father, we recognize we're not the only church family in this community. We're not the only part of the body of Christ that's at work in Merritt Island. And so I pray for the family of faith at Island Community that they would experience a renewal of the Holy Spirit's power and the truth of the gospel. Father, I pray for Pastor Paul that you would encourage his heart today that not only as a shepherd of the flock of God but as a husband, Father, as a a man that he would be encouraged by the good news of Jesus Christ that's for him, that he would stand firm in the truth of who you are and who he is in Jesus. Lord, be glorified in him. And for all the churches of this community, we pray for the gospel of Christ to permeate our hearts and souls and to advance into this community, pushing back the darkness by the light of truth that is found only in Jesus Christ. Lord, we ask in this time of teaching that you give us eyes to see and ears to hear what you would have to say for us in this morning. And Lord, we pray these things in Jesus' name and all of God's people say Amen, amen. If you have your Bibles, turn to Romans chapter 15. Romans chapter 15. Uh, this morning is gonna be a little bit different for us as far as the flow of our gathering this morning. Um, I felt led to give you kind of a family discussion. We're a church family and we have a busy uh, season for all of us as individual families and for us as a church family that's coming ahead. I just wanted to make sure that we were all on the same page for the next several weeks as God is leading us into a time of celebrating the work of Jesus Christ in us and, and through us as a church. And so I'm gonna give you an overview of this Advent season that we'll be celebrating up until the, the day of Christmas where we'll, we'll, we'll celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ. And then uh, we're gonna look at the word of God and, and gather some truths from Romans chapter 15 that I pray will prepare our hearts to celebrate the Lord's Supper with one another. So let me just begin with that Advent overview. Uh, This year we're celebrating a traditional Advent calendar. And if you're like me and maybe grew up in um, a Baptist home or a uh, community or Bible church outside of some of the mainline denominations, you may not be familiar with Advent. Some of you have celebrated Advent many, many years in your life. The word Advent uh, comes from a Latin word that means coming. And so Advent is a season that's set aside to celebrate and and prepare our hearts to celebrate the coming of Jesus Christ. And remember, there are two comings that we are celebrating. At Advent, we're celebrating 2,000 years ago when God in the flesh came to earth in the form of a child and his name was Jesus. His name is Jesus and he lived a perfect life and died death in our place and rose again from the dead. We're celebrating that coming at Christmas, right? I hope you are. If not, you're you're not celebrating Christmas, okay? So we're celebrating that coming but we wanna remember that there's another coming that's coming, right? Right? Jesus is coming again, right? You should be excited about that. Jesus is coming again. And so during Advent, we want to reflect over the coming of Christ 2,000 years ago, but we want to have an exhilaration in our hearts. Jesus is coming again. Our King will return and deliver us from this mess. That's a hope that we have at Christmas. I'm starting to preach, watch out. It's, it's, uh, it's, uh, seriously though, Advent began about 1,500 years ago. So this is not a new thing that we're starting. This is an old tradition in many, many branches of Christian uh, denomination and expression. And through those 1,500 years, four main themes have emerged that most Christians celebrate when they celebrate Advent. Those four themes are hope, joy, peace, and love. They're not always in that order, but that's the order we will be observing those themes over the next four weeks. And so the title for this series or the title over this season is that God knew we needed hope, joy, peace, and love, so he sent us Jesus. That's what we are declaring. That's what we are celebrating. You see, that's the the, the first page on your worship guide. God knew we needed uh, hope, joy, peace, love, so he sent us Jesus. I'll share with you in just a couple moments about some connect cards that are available for you to pick up to invite individuals in our community to celebrate this with us. That title is on those connect cards. We're, we're celebrating the fact that God has sent us the true source of hope, joy, peace, and love, and that source is is a person named Jesus. And I wanna encourage all of you as we go through these next few weeks that you would would emphasize those themes in your home. Now, as the Holy Spirit leads you, you uh, give expression to this, uh, but I wanna encourage you families, couples, individuals to at least set aside one night during your week to meditate over the theme that we'll be studying on that given week. And so uh, for the coming Sunday, we'll be celebrating hope. And in the following week, as you reflect not only over the message that we'll be sharing out of Colossians 127, Christ in you, the hope of glory. That's what we'll talk about next week. I wanna encourage you to be thinking in terms, how can I pass this truth onto my children? How can we celebrate this truth as a family? In our our small groups, in our Sunday school classes, in children's ministry, we're gonna be emphasizing those themes. And so it shouldn't be a large leap or a jump for you to then meditate at least one night of your week on that theme. And you'll notice uh, right in front of the pulpit, we have these candles that are displayed. A traditional part of Advent is to light a candle each week that represents one of those four themes. And so you'll notice five candles here. The four surrounding candles represent one week hope, one week joy, one week peace, one week love. And that center candle is the Christ candle. It's the candle that reminds us all of those things are found as their fulfillment in Jesus Christ. This Christmas season, we're going. To have two uh, Christmas Eve services over the last several years, uh, we have not had room to put fifty more people in this room for our Christmas Eve service, and we're hoping that God will give us opportunity to invite people who are not a, a part of a church family to join us in celebrating Jesus on Christmas Eve. And so, as we invite those individuals through those connect cards to join us on Christmas Eve, we've wanted to make room for them to be a part of that celebration. So, our Christmas Eve candlelight service. We'll have two of them this year. I want to encourage you not only to make that a part of your family celebration, but invite maybe your five, some individuals in your community or your workplace, members of your family that may be inclined to join us in celebrating Jesus. On Christmas Eve, we'll light that center candle as the start of our candlelight service or the culmination of our candlelight service to represent. At Christmas, we're celebrating the fact that the light of truth, the light of Jesus Christ came into this world. We're celebrating And now we not only know that uh, Jesus Christ came into the world as the light of the world, we know that he left his light to dwell in us, right? So the light of Christ shines most brightly in this world through the people that Jesus is redeeming. That should be you. The light of Jesus Christ shines most brightly as the truth of Jesus Christ lives in you and through you. And so in connection with each of these weekly themes, we felt the Holy Spirit leading us to display these truths in our community as personal lights. Jesus said, you are the light of the world. And we don't want to be the kind of light that exists under a bushel basket called this building, right? We want to take the light of Jesus Christ into this community, into a dark world. We don't want to be known as the people of Merritt Island who light candles in a building but don't take the light of truth into their community, right? We don't want to be that people. So we're, we're, we're being called. We feel like the Holy Spirit's calling us to show the light of truth, the light of Jesus Christ during Christmas season, leading up to Christmas Day through generous gospel living in our community. And I want to highlight those four ways we feel like God's calling us to live this out. Uh, I want to make sure that it's clear for you. Next week is the week for hope. Now we've already started to celebrate hope. Many of you have brought turkeys to be distributed as part of our Thanksgiving distribution. And I was just made aware during Sunday school, uh, I was given a note. Many of you know that uh, my closest friend in this community outside of this church family um, is a pastor named Corky Calhoun at Georgiana United Methodist church Uh, he is my very good friend and my arch rival okay Uh, just to let you know I got a note letting me know that Georgiana had collected 846 turkeys for that distribution that's a good thing right except the note told me that we had collected 165 guys you can't do this to me Corky will rub that in my face you don't want that We're making a comeback, okay? We're only about a hundred down now, uh, in between that hour from Sunday school to, uh, this service. And tonight, we're gonna have that He has been good service. The truck will be out front. God may stir you either with generosity or a competitive spirit. I don't care which. (laughs) Let's make up the gap, right? Let's make up the gap. We wanna share the hope. And we're, we're, we're believing God that as we generously give to the most needy in our community, that they'll experience a small slice of hope a foretaste, a foreshadowing. Jesus is the culmination of that hope, but we want them to have a small taste of the hope we have in Jesus Christ. Next week, um, we'll talk more about hope, and then the following Monday, November 30th, I wanna ask those of you uh, who don't normally get a chance to serve at House of Hope to make the the very best effort you can to join us in distributing food to those individuals we serve through House of Hope on Monday morning, November 30th. You don't have to take a class. You don't have to SVP, you can show up on that morning from 6 a.m. to 10.30 in the morning. Yeah, God's awake at 6 a.m. I'm not sure all of you know that. Uh, He's at work in the community. I know many people have been there before then. We're asking you to set aside 6 a.m. to 10.30 to serve. We want to blow the people of this community away with the hope of Jesus that dwells in us that we desire to share with them. So that's the week of hope. The following week is December 6th, and we're going to be celebrating joy, And Christ has given us abundant joy, right? He he said he came that our joy would be fulfilled and complete in him. Several weeks ago, we, we shared with you that we had approached one of our local schools to ask them how we could serve them, how we could bring joy to the students, to the faculty, to their school families. We were thinking maybe they would say, hey, there's some underfunded classrooms. There are some ways that we could maybe host like a field day that would be the mother of all field days to blow those kids away. That leadership team at Myla Elementary Entry said the one thing that would bring joy to their, their children, to their faculty, is if we would give a memory to a little boy named Blake. That's all they asked. Would you give a memory to Blake and his mom? And then they shared Blake's story. Blake is a third grade boy, nine years old, who recently had a kidney transplant and for some unknown reason, Blake's body is rejecting the kidney that he received. His mom is a single mom who works at Merritt Island High School. Every night she has to come home from working her job and she has to give in-home dialysis to her third grade boy just to help him continue in the life that he has. Um, we We felt that God was calling us to respond to that request, not to impose our desires on them, but to take them up on why they said, here's what you could do. So here's what we're doing for little Blake. Uh, December 14th, we are going to be hosting uh, Blake's Block Party. Uh, Blake's block party is gonna be a night where we raise funds. Unashamed, we're gonna ask people to donate money to Blake and his mom, Tracy, to offset mounting financial uh, debt that they've experienced as a result of Blake's illness. You guys can see the, uh, the logo there behind us. It will be on Merritt Island High School's football field. We're seeing Merritt Island High School, Mila Elementary, several businesses have joined with us, Chick-fil-A and Sonny's. Just because I go there all the time, we have to leverage that sometimes. Hey, you guys scratch our back a little bit. We're sending you some business. They have generously agreed to provide food that we'll purchase, but they'll give all of the proceeds to Blake and Tracy, his mom. And then we feel that as a leadership team, that we as a church family will write a substantial financial gift to give to them, to join with all of the donations that are brought in at that gate, to join with all of the proceeds from the food that is purchased there. That's going to be a party for Blake, his friends, the people of this community, bounce houses, games, things for us to do as a community that we want to knock uh, the the foundations of this community and a generous act toward this family. We're also partnering or trying to partner with Nemours Children's Hospital. Nemours has agreed to try and assemble a mobile donor screening. It's the first time they will ever have done this, but a donor screening for anyone in our community who's willing to have uh, their, their blood work tested to see if they may be a potential donor for a new kidney for for Blake. We'd love to see God work. And there've already been many of you who've said that you're willing to do that as a gift to Blake and his mom. I wanna encourage you to be praying through that. And and we're we're also going to see if God is gonna allow us. We're working on some things even right now that are in the works to give them a trip locally that they would be able to take. Uh, They can't travel far because of some of Blake's health issues, but to give them an all expenses paid trip that Blake and his mom can spend to make a memory with one another. And so that's December 14th. Um, with this logo, or the logo that was behind us, we have these connect cards. It says Blake's Block Party, it has the essential information for that evening. I unashamedly want to ask you, would you hand these out generously into this community? Would you invite all of the people that you know that you're in relationship with to join us on December 14th to knock the socks off of this family and let them know what greater memory could we have for this family than that a whole community would rally around a nine-year-old boy who may be facing his last Christmas? Would you do that? And our team wondered, can we have two different connect cards? Will it be confusing for the general masses? I want you to know that I firmly placed my vote with you. I said, I think these people are smart enough to handle two different connect cards. You guys can do this, right? So Blake's Bach Party, invite people unashamedly to be a part of that event and know that there are also these connect cards that say God knew we needed hope, joy, love, peace. And so he sent us Jesus and then it has an invitation to our Christmas Eve service on the back of that. So that's the week of joy. December 13th we're going to focus on peace Uh, we felt God calling us to come alongside a segment of our community many of you know that a, a portion of our nation has has chosen to paint the men and women who serve in uniform as police officers as peace officers to paint them as though they are our enemy and they're our problem we want the men and women in this community who are part of protecting the peace of this community to know we aren't those people We have not declared war. As a matter of fact, we are trying to declare peace for the men and women who leave their homes, their families every day, put their lives on the line to protect this community. And so we've asked the Brevard County Sheriff's Department, what can we do to serve you? Uh, Sheriff Ivy? let us know that he and his supervisors overwhelmingly asked that we would focus our attention on the 200 or so men or women who are in cruisers, who are on patrol in this community. They're not supervisors. They're not in management positions. They're individual officers who are protecting the streets of our communities, that we would focus our attention on them. So December 13th, Sheriff Ivy is gonna join us. We're gonna pass out 200 prayer cards or so with the first names of those individuals. You'll be breaking up into small groups to pray for those individuals. Sign those cards, letting those men and women know we as a church are praying for your peace and protection. As a church family, we're gonna put uh, a part of your generous giving from that, that this Christmas season, we're gonna put $50 Visa gift cards in those prayer cards and with no strings attached, give them away to let those men and women know. We want to give a gift of generosity to let you know we love you. We're praying for your peace and your safety. And I'll remind you of this, but on that week, what we're going to ask you to do is take these connect cards. And when you see individually a man or woman in uniform, whether it's your local police department or the Bards County Sheriff's Department, I want to ask you to give them one of these cards. Let them know that you're thankful for them. We as a church family are praying for them and, and, and do some generous act. Maybe it's an individual who's outside of a grocery store. Ask them if you can get anything for them while you're in the store, a drink or a snack or something that could bless their day. Maybe pay for their meal meal at a restaurant. I'll remind you of that, but that's where these connect cards will come in as well. And then the final week of love, we're going to be focusing on unprogrammed, Holy Spirit-driven acts of kindness and generosity, that your family would own a, a family that lives close to you or that you know that you could serve or give to generously for the name of Jesus Christ that God would allow you to build a bridge for the gospel of Jesus with someone who's far from God. Maybe it's a family in need. Maybe it's someone that's part of your five that you're owning for the name of Jesus Christ. Maybe it's a waiter or waitress at your favorite restaurant you see all the time. You blow them away with a generous tip. You'd give them this card, letting them know that as part of our church family, God loves them and we want them to know that and inviting them to join us in celebrating Jesus. And we'll let you know all of that specifically in the weeks to come. That's the big plan. That's, That's there on on our website. You can go to the homepage on our website. There are pages after pages of ways you can pray, serve, and give to be a part of those individual weeks. Now, that's enough of sort of the family talk around the table. Let's look at Romans 15. You need to hear more than just the ramblings of some guy this morning. So we want to hear the word of God. Look at Romans chapter 15 verse 13. The apostle Paul writes under the Holy Spirit's leadership, may the God of hope Fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. This is the Word of God for us this morning. That's been a prayer that we've been praying for the last few months as pastors, as individuals. It's a great passage, not just because it has three of our four Advent themes. Uh, directly related to to our celebration, but also because it teaches us very clearly and concisely some fundamental truths about those themes, about joy, peace, and, and hope. So I wanna spend the next few moments as we prepare for the Lord's Supper unpacking those truths for us. And I want you to see the first observation from that verse of scripture is this. Biblical hope, joy, and peace only come from God biblical hope, joy, and peace only come from God. You see that in two ways in this verse. First, you see that this verse is a blessing. It's a a sort of prayer. Paul is calling on God to grant hope, joy, peace to these people because Paul knows something. He knows this. If God doesn't give hope, joy, and peace, then he can't give it away and they can't manufacture it. Hope, joy, peace only come from God. The second way you see that in this verse is in the second half, Paul says, so that by the power of what? The Holy Spirit who is God. So that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. Paul recognizes this. If the Holy Spirit of Almighty God doesn't do a work that only God can do, no one will have hope, joy, or peace. We need the power of God manifest in the person of the Holy Spirit... If we are going to have biblical hope, joy, and peace. That's what Paul is pushing here. And when I say biblical hope, joy, and peace, the reason I say that is because the Bible would define those things differently than our culture would define them. Biblical hope is more than the wishful thinking that we have at Christmas. Children who hope they're gonna get a pony for Christmas. Any pony wishers out there? God bless you. We'll see how that works out for you. Biblical hope is more than the wishful thinking oh, I hope I get a pony. All right, now next week we'll talk more about what biblical hope is, but but biblical hope is more than the wishful thinking of our culture. Biblical joy is more than that passing feeling of happiness that you get when everything in your life is going your way. Biblical joy is based on something that's way more than our circumstance. It's not derived by or defined by our circumstances. Biblical joy transcends our circumstance on earth. Biblical peace is more than that feeling of safety and security that you get in a controlled environment where everything seems to be sterile and safe. It's the reason why we can have peace in a world that's falling apart all around us. It's because biblical peace is not defined or derived from the circumstances around it. We're gonna look more at those things in the weeks to come But we need to be reminded, biblical hope, joy, and peace are defined by the Bible and derived from God himself. He's our only hope for joy, peace, and hope. Paul's saying that very plainly. The second observation is this. God gives biblical hope, joy, and peace to those who believe. Look at verse 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace. And look at that phrase in what? in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. Our having hope, joy, peace is found by the power of God as we believe. As we believe, that word believe means to trust, to put your faith in something. Biblical belief is not just the the mental acknowledgement of something. It's the full dependence on something. And Paul says biblical hope, joy, and peace come as we fully believe, depend, place our faith in something. So the question becomes, believe what, right? Right? Place our faith in, in what? What do we need to believe? What do we need to depend on in order to have hope, joy, and peace? You guys know we're entering this season of year where our culture celebrates belief. Every adult is encouraged to believe again, right? Every Christmas movie from Polar Express to Miracle on 34th Street is applauding people who believe, believe again, Right? But our culture has this really weird idea of faith. We express the importance of faith and not the object of faith. Here's what I mean is that we as a culture have become people who possess faith in faith. It doesn't matter what you believe as long as you believe, right? Just faith in something. I believe in the power of faith, people say. Whether it's faith in God or Buddha or faith in yourself or faith in an old pair of your favorite shoes. Whatever you have faith in, that's the point of our culture. The Bible doesn't refer to faith generically. He's not saying believe in whatever you believe. We don't believe in the power of faith. We believe in the power of God right? The, the biblical faith that Paul is talking about here, belief is belief in objective truth, believing in reality, clear reality. So what truths do we need to believe in order for us to be people who have hope, joy, and peace? Well, think about your context here. This is the book of Romans. Paul has written the entire book of Romans to articulate the one and only gospel of Jesus Christ. You remember Romans 1, 16 starts out, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, right? And then he goes on to tell us what the gospel is. The gospel is that God is holy and perfect and righteous. In every single way, God is separated from all things that are not God, and that means he rightfully judges sin, He rightfully judges sinners. And then it goes on to say in chapter three that all of us are in the category of sinner. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Every man, woman, and child has sinned against God from the very beginning of humanity. The original relationship between God and man has been broken by sin. We've dishonored his holiness, his righteousness, his value by choosing sin and self over God. And the result of that sin, that condition, is that we would be separated from God now and forevermore. That we would forever pay for our sin by enduring the wrath of God in a place the Bible calls hell. And that is where the good news becomes good news. Because God is not just a God of righteousness and holiness and judgment. He's a God of mercy and grace and love. And this should blow our minds, but in his infinite wisdom, God has created a way to satisfy his holiness, his righteousness, and his judgment, and to fulfill his mercy, grace, and love. And the way that God has done that is that he's chosen to punish sin and to save sinners as he punishes sin. And the way he did that is by sending himself to this earth in the form of a man. God was born as a man, as a baby in Bethlehem, and his name is Jesus. Jesus lived a perfect life that we couldn't live, and he was crucified like a common criminal for that life. And in the death of Jesus on that cross, God worked an amazing miracle. God took the sin belonging to every single person who would ever trust in Christ. The way the Bible says that is God laid on him the iniquity of us all. Jesus lived and he died and he died as a sacrifice for our sin, as a payment in our place. He satisfied the wrath of God, the punishment of our sin, and he served as a substitute to die in our place. Anyone who would trust in him, Jesus Christ has lived and died to save. Amen. That's a good news. And Paul goes on to say in chapters 5, 6, 7, 8, that when we come to the place where we depend on Jesus, His perfect life, His sacrificial death, His glorious resurrection to remove the penalty and the power of sin from us, when we depend on Jesus to make us right with God, the Holy Spirit unites us with Jesus so that His life becomes our life, His death becomes our death, His resurrection power literally gets to Work in us. And nothing, listen to this, nothing can separate you from the eternal destiny that is yours in Jesus Christ. That's good news, right? That's the gospel. And that good news. 40 of you are so excited. Keep your excitement. Keep you excited, 40. Listen, listen. Jesus started with 12. We'll start with four. Look back at, look back at chapter 15, okay? Look back at chapter 15, because this good news is for one group of people, but maybe not the group of people you think. Look at chapter 15. Look at verse 8. For I tell you, That Christ became a servant to the circumcised. That's just another way of saying to the Jews. Jesus Christ came to the Jews to show God's truthfulness in order to confirm the promises given to the patriarchs. That's the forefather of all the Jewish people. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, God made amazing promises that he would bless their descendants. So Jesus came to their descendants to keep that promise, but he did something more. Look at verse 9. And, now look at this phrase, in order that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. He came to the Jews and to the Gentiles. You guys know who, who Jews are, right? Descendants from Abraham of the nation of Israel. He came to them. You know who the Gentiles are? Everyone else, right? Everybody else on the face of the earth look at it says in verse 9 the continuing as it's written i will praise you among the gentiles everybody else and seeing your name and it said again rejoice o oh gentiles hey gentiles hey gentiles rejoice rejoice verse 11 and again praise the lord all you gentiles and let how many of the people All the peoples, all the peoples extol him. And again, Isaiah says, the root of Jesse will come. Even he who arises to rule the Gentiles, in him will the Gentiles hope. And may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you Jews and you Gentiles, every man, woman, and child under the face of the Son who will believe, all of you rejoice. It's for you. It's for you. That is another way of saying Not only that it's for Jews and Gentiles, it's for every man, woman, child, Jews and Jordanians, Malaysians and Mexicans, Filipinos and French, people who live in Malawi, people who live in Merritt Island. The gospel of Jesus is for everyone who will believe it, who will depend on Jesus Christ through faith. Verse 12 is quoting Isaiah and it says the root of Jesse. Jesse was the father of King David, right? So, So Jesus is a descendant of David. He is of the descendants of King David or the root of Jesse. Jesus Christ is the rightful heir to the throne. And so we sing this song, joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth, Jew and Gentile, receive her king. Right? Because Jesus is the king of Jew, Gentile, man, woman, child, all who bow before him as Lord, and all who don't. He is the king of heaven and earth, and he has come to draw his people from all the nations. And his people are drawn from the nations as they hear his gospel that we just talked about. And they believe and are saved and now live as a new nation under God, a nation that is filled with hope and joy and peace by the power of the Holy Spirit as they believe the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's what we celebrate in the Lord's Supper. The the implications are this. First, We want our community to have biblical hope, joy, and peace. All of these things that we want to do that are generous, that are kind, that are servant-hearted, those are simply doors that we seek to see opened so that we would have the door, the bridge to share the gospel of Jesus personally with the people we already live around. We, We know better than to think That large-scale projects and events are the things that will bring lasting hope, joy, and peace to the lives of people. There's only one thing that brings hope, joy, and peace, and it's the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's what we desire to see this Christmas, that these these large-scale events would open up small-scale doors for you, individuals in your life that you can invite into your life this Christmas season that you would personally share the gospel of Jesus Christ with them. You are the light of the world. The gospel lives and dwells and is shared through you and our hope is to do more than give extravagant gifts at Christmas pat ourselves on the back feel better about this place in the new year we want to see doors opened where we can share the gospel of Jesus Christ because only the gospel brings the deepest need of all humanity second this table then is a table of hope and peace and joy It is so appropriate that we would start our celebration of Christmas with the Lord's Supper. Because we're reminded that God ordained us to have this celebration as a reminder that not only did Jesus come and live as a man. That's what that bread and that, that, that juice represent. That he lived as a man. That he died as a sacrifice for our sins. But we are also reminded that he came not only to give his life among us, but to give his life for us. That because of his life, death, and resurrection, we have hope. Brothers and sisters, we have hope. Heaven is our home. Do you realize that? Heaven is our home. We have joy in this life because no matter what the headlines in the newspapers might say, our great God and Father is working all things together for our good that we would become like Jesus. We have joy. He's making us like Christ. We have peace because God is for us. So who on earth could be against us? If he who did not spare his own son but willingly gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with Jesus graciously give us all things? Nothing will separate us from the love of God that is ours in Christ Jesus, right? We have peace because we have peace with God. And so as we take these these, this bread, this juice, what we're saying is that we believe. That we have faith that we are depending on what this represents. The person of Jesus Christ who lived the life we couldn't live. Who died the death we should have died. Who was raised again to new life that now is ours. We believe that and that is giving us peace with God and one another. It is bringing us joy in the midst of a dark world. And it's filled our hearts with hope that heaven is our home and our king is coming again. Right? That's what we're saying. That's what we're saying. So if you wonder what we're doing is we take this bread and we eat it and we take this cup and we drink it. We're saying we believe that. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, the God of all hope is filling us with joy and peace and believing so that by his power, we are abounding with hope. I'm going to ask our our deacons to come at this time and prepare the table and as they're preparing the table to pass out this bread uh, I want to encourage you just where you are moms dads with your kids husbands and wives would you pray with one another and and prepare your hearts right there in your seat just prepare your hearts to receive this table do you really believe the gospel that we just talked about what are you depending on to make you right with God? If it's any other thing, then it isn't the gospel. Is your heart filling with hope and peace and joy as you think of Jesus? And would you pray for the power of the Holy Spirit to come over you, to fill you in these moments? And then would you pass out the elements as we pray together in preparation to receive them? father thank you that the eternal god became a man laid aside what was rightfully his on the throne of heaven and was found in the likeness of a man as a baby in a manger thank you that as a man he lived a perfect sinless life and father the sin of humanity ran so deep that in the presence of such sinfulness and Such love and peace and purity, we as people responded by crucifying him. He was despised and rejected. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. Father, I thank you that Christ, in humble humiliation, was obedient in the way that we could not be obedient to the very point of death. Thank you that the Christ we celebrate at Christmas made his way from a manger to a a cross so that he could bear for us our sin. And this morning, Father, as we take this bread, we say thank you for Jesus. And we believe that Christ's life, death, and resurrection were sufficient as our substitute to satisfy your wrath and to give us new life in him. So Father, we praise you. We glorify your name as we take this bread representing the life and brokenness of Jesus for our sin. In Jesus' name, amen.